What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Hello, welcome everyone. Today's guest is an art and design enthusiast, lives out the meaning of hospitality. He's a lifelong friend of mine, former roommate, president at Agency 967, Misha Bedner. Welcome, Mish. Thanks for having me, Dan. I have so much love and affection and um, just appreciation for the industry that we're in and, and delivering hospitality to everyone that I just, you know, I just really want to start off with you. Um, how do you define hospitality? So I've worked in many aspects of this industry um, from design, purchasing, uh, art consulting, um, and now I'm doing what I'm doing with you on the, on the sales side of things. And uh, so I should say that hospitality uh, directly correlates with one of those things, but I'm not. Mm, good. I'm going to say that hospitality uh, focuses on service. And what do you like? What do you mean by that service? So, so when you walk into a hotel, um, you know, and I have my wife with me and three screaming kids. And typically what I do is I walk over to, and I know you do this too, we, I walk over to every piece of furniture and I flip it over and see who the manufacturer is. And then I have to touch the fabrics and, you know, and, and feel it out and just see, uh, you know, what it's all about from the design aspect. But that's not the best part of a hotel experience. The best part is service. It's the people who greet you at the door. It's when you go to the uh, the front desk and you know they have a, a bright smile and they and they want to say uh you know they say welcome and all that what they embody is what that hotel in which they're working in embodies as well so service and i i'm embarrassed to admit that it's the word service so i, I i'm going to re- go back a little i i've worked with my my dad for many years when I was at HBA. Yeah. And I saw him give a multitude of of interviews. And he was always asked a similar question, you know, like, what do you feel about hospitality? Or what's the main component of hospitality that that resonates the most with you? And he would always say, I'm like, Dad, Dad, you know, the marketing side of me says, Dad, Dad, say design, say design. And he would say, service and i'd be like oh shit why why do you say that and now after being in this industry for dear god i I think it's 25 years or so now or really since you were born pretty much pretty much um i I have to say it's it's service and there's two things that are problematic about that is that uh you know having my background i should say product or, you know, like having comfortable furniture or beautiful fixtures. That's, that's what makes a, a hotel. But sadly, uh, I think I'm just turning into my father and I'm just saying what he says. It's tragic, totally tragic. Yeah, I can't wait to have your dad on, on the podcast too. And so like, I hear you saying that you learned that idea of service from your dad. But like, when you think about when you're walking into that, restaurant, hotel, resort, whatever, with your wife and the three screaming kids. Um, when you pull apart that idea of service, like what is that connection that they do to make you feel comfortable? Like, get, do you have any instances of how you feel you feel comfortable and how you recognize when that de- delivery of hospitality? Sure, so a, a perfect example, um, my my wife, my lovely wife Jamie and I went on a uh, staycation for our anniversary a, a few days back, uh, and we we live in Manhattan Beach. We went to Santa Monica, which is all of about twenty minutes away, and uh, we stayed at a hotel in in Santa Monica. 
And we walked in and the people uh, who opened the door were like, welcome, you know, and big smiles on their faces. So that was, that was the first touch. Um, and the, the joy that was, you know, it could be faux joy, but at least they're, they're expressing uh, a, a nice emotion. That kind of sets the tone for when you're walking into a hotel. So we went past the front door, got to the front desk. Uh, gentleman who's uh, Justin, lovely Justin, who's behind the front desk. Oh, you even goes, remember his name? Yeah, I, that's, how, that's how good he was. Oh, wow. And he's like, he goes, welcome, Mr. and Mrs. Bedner. He goes, wait a second. Today is your 18th anniversary, isn't it? And I was like, Justin, that is a lovely for you to, to know this, even though, you know, when you sign up for your, uh, when you make your room reservations, you, you say, hey, any notes on special occasions and things like that. So he goes, I just want to congratulate you for uh, tolerating this man. This is what he's saying to Jamie, tolerating this man for 18 years. He guy doesn't even know me, but, you know, tongue in cheek. I love that kind of, that vibe. And he goes, I, I apologize. You're going to have to sit tight for about 15 minutes. Your room isn't ready because I'm going to upgrade you to a suite. And we're like, ah. Oh. Justin, really? And he goes, yes. Uh, so he goes, go upstairs. The drink's on us. You have to go to the upstairs bar. I'll, I'll get you whatever you want to get. Uh, and then come back down here. We'll get your room ready. You'll, it'll be ready in 15 minutes. So we go up the elevator after 15 minutes. And we go up there. And there's a handwritten note by Justin that I know he just scribbled out uh, while we were in our little uh uh, respite for 15 minutes. I mean, it's, it's things like that. It's, it's, uh, it's service. And I remember, I remember stuff like that much more than, oh, the, you know, there's uh, Egyptian cotton sheets, you know, that's all fine and good, but it's the experience. It's about the people you meet. It's about the conversations you have. It's not about a bedspread. Right. Well, and I, it's so great and amazing that you're sharing that because I also feel like, okay, the people totally make that and the connection between the people. And then, you know, if it's all packaged in a, in a beautifully built environment, you know, it, I feel like it resonates that much more with me. Um, I love how you recognize that it's those little personal touches that are really, really make the difference. So like when you think about, Okay, that's your experience walking in there. But when people come to your home or come into your office, like what are the ways that you approach each of those connections to make them feel comfortable? Uh, typically, I ply them with alcohol. Alcohol, okay. And then what if they're spending the night? Uh, less alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. You no, know, but it's, you know, depending upon you know, if someone's coming to my home and uh, usually I try to single out what is important to them to make them comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you do with friends at your home or uh, customers who come to your office or people who work at a hotel they do for their, uh, their patrons. Mm. It's just all about singling out what is what makes them comfortable and how you give that to them. And then where do you think you learned that? Uh, I don't, you, you just have to surround yourself with, with good people, like-minded people. And uh, you, they have to have the same value structure as you. Um, and you learn it from them. And I, I, I honestly think we're blessed to be in this, this industry because there's so many people mm -hmm. who do that or uh, feel that way or um, provide uh, that kind of service to people. So I know you brought up that guy, Justin, the, who, who sounds amazing. And someday I hope I'll be able to stay there. But um, if you could think of the ways that you deliver hospitality and define it within your home or business and you rather than speaking generally like are there specific individuals that you can 
I don't know, tie, tie your experience back to so that like we can get a feeling of it? Well, I mean, I'd have to bring Pops back into the fold. Uh, you know, he's been at the forefront of this industry uh, since the 1960s. He and Howard Hirsch, um, you know, they, I mean, if you want to talk about defining the hospitality design industry as we know it now, mm-hmm. I mean, my dad is, you know, the ideal person to talk to. So I, I learned a lot from him. Um, and that's, you know, I was kicking and screaming. I didn't want to be involved in in hotel design or uh, everything that was, um, you know, part and parcel with that. I, you know, I wanted to do screenwriting and, you know, I was a history and art history major. And my, my thesis at UCLA was, the Imboudier Society and how they correlate with the mafia. I mean, all these things don't really correspond with uh, with a job. So um, I kind of got pulled into the fold by 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 my dad, and he he taught me a whole bunch of stuff. This is stuff that's not even the design end of things. This is more the the marketing and BD stuff. You mm-hmm. know, he goes if a if a client invites you to do karaoke god damn it you go out and do karaoke you know mm-hmm. or if they want to go uh out on on the town and and do shots of sujo you you, you got to do it because that's part of it that makes them comfortable that mm-hmm. will put you in their good graces and then the design part's going to be easy yeah so much of it is again i think in that connection, it's also creating a shared experience, right? Because, sure. you know, everything that we do every day from my experience is like, you know, it's so tactile that you're doing this and this, but when you can really create a shared experience, um, that becomes super memorable. I mean, that's, that's amazing. So yeah, never turn down the shot of Sujo. <laughs> uh, so, or Soju. So, Soju, that's it. Soju, Soju. It's Sorry. been too long. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, and it's been way too long for karaoke too. I can't wait for that. Um, So, you know, speaking about Justin and the best experience, like if you were to go into, like, do you remember your worst experience of of hospitality? Yes. So um, again, I have three kids um, and Jamie and I brought all of the kids down to, I think it was Oceanside for a soccer tournament and we rolled up late to this hotel. It was about nine 30 at night. And I'm not going to say what hotel it was, but uh, we walked in and we, ma- we made reservations and they were like, Oh, you know what? We walk up to the front desk. Oh, you know, we, I don't think we can honor your reservation. You're about four hours later than you were expected to be here. And we're like, well, <laughs> where do you want us to go? It's, it's in the middle of the night. Uh, we have no other options. And, uh, you know, they're like, yeah, well, God, there's this one room. It's not, it's not a suite. It has one bed and, uh, we can maybe hold you up in, in that space. You know, just, I, I, not everything is, is vivid in my mind, but it was a textbook. The la- it's when you walk up to the, 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 the front desk, it's the, the lady behind the desk, everything was a textbook of what not to do and how to just thoroughly piss off your customer from, you know, like there was no greeting, there was no, uh, you know, no respect for the fact that I had, I was holding on to two kids and a screaming one behind me and Jamie was upset and, uh, and they weren't providing the service or anything that I needed. So that was, that was a miserable experience. And we got into the room and Jamie's like, what there's like bloodstains on the walls and there's like empty bottles behind the bed. And I mean, we were hoping for some type of, you know, design uh, save that would happen once we rolled up into the room, but no. Oh my gosh. I love that idea of the design save. And then like, so oftentimes I find that from those really negative experiences, it teaches me so much. So like, if you learned something from that, what, what, what did you learn from that experience? 
it, it just, it showed the difference between how to make, if even if it's a good situation you're in or a bad situation, it's the way that people approach it um, is how you can, you could save that situation. It's something that, that you and I talk about all the time um, in that, you know, sometimes shit hits the fan and it's something that's typically out of our control or it's something that, that you or I didn't initiate, but it's how you approach it. If you, if you calm the customer and you find a solution, and everyone is on the same page as to how to address the fix, you're fine. But if you say, if there's a problem and you go, oh, it's not my fault, I, I shouldn't be involved in this, figure it out yourself, uh, and you don't take ownership of it, that's a, that's a, that's a different approach that I, hopefully you and I don't subscribe to. Yeah, I feel like that's, you know, Oftentimes, from my experiences, when when I'm in a situation like you just described, it's often when the person who's delivering the service or delivering or trying to deliver the hospitality is relying on a policy, right? Right. It's like, how do I follow this playbook? And it becomes very automatic, but you're not really, you're missing the forest for the trees, if you will. Like, you're, they're not seeing you. And then if you think about when you're away from home, because obviously, you know, we travel a lot. And you know, when we're all at home, we all feel really comfortable at home. But how do you make yourself feel comfortable when you're not at home? Meaning when I'm in a different city or? Yeah, when you're anywhere outside of home, usually probably spending an evening somewhere. Like, how do you make yourself comfortable? What are, what are the things that you do to deliver hospitality to yourself? Oh, I, Dan, I don't ever think about myself. I have to think about everyone else all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's always good uh, to get acclimated to the place in which you're going, which is sometimes problematic. I mean, so when I was doing uh, business development for HBA and I was on planes, you know, every three or four weeks, uh, and sometimes I'd jump on a plane to go to, say, Dalian, China, it'd be, you know, 16, 17, 18 our flight on economy and I show up there, have a meeting for four hours and then jump back on a plane and head back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, that that's, it's terrible because you, you're doing a, you're traveling more than you're actually meeting with the people you need to meet with. Um, and you're also not getting any downtime in the place in which you're visiting. So what I always try to do is something uh, culturally specific to the place in which I'm going to. So if I'm going to go to, you know, use Dalian again. So, you know, go hit up a museum or something if I have an hour or go to some street cuisine kind of place and, and do that. Or just doing, doing something that's intrinsically that spot that you can't do anywhere else. Um, and it's so hard to, to do that because... Yeah, if you were to think about like an, an experience like that that might stand out to you that you remember the most. Uh, I remember going on a business trip to India and I had two hours to kill. And I went to uh, the, the National Museum there, the uh, gallery there, and Oddly, I think I was the only person in, this is a massive museum, you know, encased in some old Victorian style building. And I think I was the only person there and uh, which is fantastic. I love to appreciate art um, and just kind of, you know, stare at paintings or taking uh, pieces of art at my leisure. And, um, it was great. It was it was something I wouldn't be able to see anywhere else, uh, and it was a nice calming moment of an hour or hour and a half before I had to meet with a client, and then you know that was all chaos. So you mm -hmm. need calming moments to mix in with with uh, the craziness of what we do once in a while. Yeah. Okay. So a couple things are resonating there. Like one, 
it's almost like you created this calm respite, like an eye of a storm, if you will. That was not intentional, but again, you got out of your, you could have been waiting anywhere for that meeting to happen for two hours. You got yourself out of that potentially comfortable place to have a, a new experience. And then you were inspired and calmed and connected. So, and it's also like, I'm hearing this just from knowing you, and I guess it's an unfair interview because I know you so well, but like um, this whole idea of how we find ourselves doing what we're doing and surrounded by these people who are just so incredibly talented, creating these really beautiful spaces. And I know, you know, with your dad designing hotels and, you know, but there's this deep appreciation for things of beauty and art and aesthetic. Like, tell me more about that. Like where, where do you, if you were to kind of trace that back into your like DNA or upbringing or from whoever, like, where does that come from? And how, how did it become so packed? And I mean, it's everything from that I see from furniture to museums, to um, artwork, to music, to everything, to comic books, even it's always like you're super visual and like, where does that come from? I think it stems back to family. So my grandmother, uh, Yarmila Majanova, she was uh, she's a famous Czech artist, and you know I grew up watching her uh, paint and and do what she did. And her uh, her gift is something that um, you know I have tons of her paintings around my my home, as do all of our relatives. Um, so I think from seeing seeing her artwork from a young age uh that really inspired me and then obviously comics well that uh, way well, going back to your like if you think about just kind of bringing it back to like making comfortable creating that space like when you're watching your when you were watching your grandmother create art at his young age like what did it feel like in that studio or in that moment like like how did you feel and like what what did you pay attention to you know well, like paint a picture of that. Sure. So um, she, she would have her studio and she would have, you know, Vivaldi Four Seasons piping in the background. Uh, you know, the, the blinds would be rolled up. She didn't want to have too, she didn't want to have too much light. And, you know, just the gentle art of mixing paint and applying it to canvas. That in itself, like, I don't know, you know, some people watch like, Bob Ross videos and they they it's a, a calming 32 minutes of just like ah because it's yeah. a it's a it's a soothing and calming ritual and mm -hmm. and if you can do that and produce something beautiful there's nothing better than that so yeah. my my grandmother would would do stuff like that and I just remember sitting there watching going I wish I could do something like that so, you know, I would draw and paint, um, you know, uh, I actually, uh, I went to, uh, I was getting my master's. This is when I was roommates with you up in San Francisco mm. um, in some type of art form as uh, computer animation. Uh, but, you know, art and design and beautiful things have been uh, part of my life and I guess everybody's life uh forever so i just i love to see beautiful things i love to see beautiful things created i love the process i love the people who create beautiful things um and i just i'm blessed to be part of what we do yeah it's amazing when you like the whole idea of looking at someone when they're creating a work of art or for me even sometimes just I, I have friends who are just really awesome at building financial models and it sounds really weird, but just watching them like be wizards on Excel and just the gentle tapping of the keys and their focus. It's all, it really is like watching a Bob Ross painting being, being made. It's yeah. uh, this, there's something so relaxing and there's this whole trend right now of like, or not right now, it's been for a while, just people like opening, people opening gifts or opening boxes of things. And there's something so, so peaceful about what is it. ASMR? Isn't there a term for it? I think yeah, it's, I think it's that ASMR stuff. It, it gets into your, uh, somewhere in your brain. And I don't know, it's like goosebump delivering. I'm just wondering, like, 
in the whole idea, like bringing it back to just creating these shared experiences. Like, could you think of that genius that your grandmother had that you were captivated by and like bring it back to the guy who you checked into that hotel with? Like, is there some kind of a thread that ties it all together? Well, I think the process, let's take a specific example. The process of a hotel coming into being is so many people working, designing, um, and coming together and combining their forces to make something beautiful. I think it's spectacular. And, you know, there's, there's people who are involved on the design side. And if you, you know, look over their shoulder and they're, uh, you know, space planning a guest room or they're putting together, uh, they're drawing out what a light fixture that's going to fit next to the, the bed. Um, you know, all those, those million different little facets of how a hotel comes together. That's, that's so beautiful to me. I mean, the, the sad thing is, is that that's like 2% of how a hotel comes together. All that, all that fun design, all the sexy stuff. It's such a small little thing in the whole big picture. But, you know, I think you could say that about any industry. You know, if you watch a, a, an incredible movie, you're like, wow, that was such, a, such an incredible movie. That must have been so fun to produce. You know what? It probably wasn't. But it's all about the end product. So the end product for, for me on that particular instance when we went to that hotel in Santa Monica is that there was a beautiful shell of a hotel and it was filled with these beautiful people who made my one day, Jamie's and my anniversary special. And it's, it's the conjoining of all of those forces coming together that made this fantastic experience. Yeah. It's really just amazing. Cause like I, with this whole pandemic that we've all been through and like, I really miss being able to go into as many firms offices as we used to all go into and seeing, all right, so I'm having a meeting, I'm talking about a project and then, but like in those times between just seeing those super talented people like layer textures and textiles and wood finishes and to create that beautiful space where all these really incredibly caring people exist. And just the, the sheer intensity of the con, it's like the, the concentration that they have and the thoughtfulness and the intentionality of layering it all together and thinking about how at some point, two years in the future, or whenever that might be, that you and your wife or someone else are in there having that experience. Like, how does that whole piece speak to them? And it's like, you think about that from the, the, the projects that we're working on, okay. But then also like how we have our apartments and how we have our, our homes and, you know, how do we welcome people? It's just so thoughtful. It's not just a, yeah, okay, we get a drink and have a dinner and have a meal, but it's also that warm sense of a, of a hearth and home. Agreed. Yeah. No. And again, I was using a, a hotel as a specific example, but I think just the way we live on a daily basis, it should be intentional in that way. You know, um, you know, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna be making breakfast for my kids, it should be well laid out, and you know, forks and knives should be there, and uh, you know, orange juice should be orange juice should be poured up to you know this level, and uh, bacon should be crisp because Jimmy wants crispy bacon, and Mila wants kind of, you know, not so crispy bacon. And this person wants this type of egg. So, you know, this, again, I, I, I'm diverging, but I think we should live life the way that uh, intentionally and with beauty, the way that we design hotels. Uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, as, as we get older, I just feel like life gets so busy, time gets so fast, it starts moving by so quickly. And I find that you know, in thinking about to slow things down, one of the yeah. things that I've learned is just being 
the moments when I'm super intentional about things, and I really work at it a lot, and it's a real challenge for me, but I'm, I'm really committed to just being way more mindful just in day-to-day -day practice. And whether it's setting up or cooking to get kids breakfast or having a, a well-run meeting or just expressing gratitude in many different ways, like just that whole idea of like time, I mean, time doesn't really slow down, but just focusing really closely on that moment and that experience, which I think ties upon, ties back to that guy, Justin as well. Like he, he spelled it all out. He really took the time to, to connect with you on that level. And then like, what are other ways? And that's really interesting. So like, as far as making people feel comfortable through just being super mindful, like, are there any other experiences you can think of in that realm you mean like being deliberate on yeah uh just how you um <laughs> i mean nothing's really coming to mind to be honest <laughs> you mean in the whole design in, in what we do design on a daily or basis or design life in general just like I love the idea of, of being able to interplay a sense of mindfulness into delivering hospitality. And just, it's, it's all about like being super intentional, right? Yeah. Well, just in, uh, in the space, in the interaction, in the connection. Yeah. I mean, w w look, when I, when I go s call on designers or purchasing agents, uh, I'm not calling on designers and purchasing agents. I'm, for the most part, I mean, you and I have been in this industry for so long. We're calling on our friends, and that's, uh, you know, I'm 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 blessed because I, you know, I get to work with my best friend, and um, and I get to work with tons of other great friends, um, and these are people that I would hang out with um, outside of work, and these are people that I at some point in my life, I exclusively only hung out with, you know, hospitality people or design people or purchasing people. Yeah. Um, but so when I call on them, I, you know, I am mindful that they, each of those people, uh, they, they, different things resonate with them. So if I'm calling on a certain person and I know, um, you know, at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday, they get kind of, antsy at work and they need a pick me up, you know, I'll bring, uh, you know, something from creation cold press juicery to get them, mm -hmm. you know, get them going again. Or, you know, if I know one of them just had a, a child and uh, I, I, I did this once, I, I, I brought a designer a, a powder blue blanket, um, then found out that her child was a girl. But, you know, sometimes you mess up, but it's just, it's the attempt um, to, to kind of pick out those little things that, uh, make your relationship specific with them yeah. and, uh, making it above and beyond this whole thing. Like, Oh, Hey, I'm calling you. Do you have any projects you're working on that I can bid on? You know, yeah. that's, that's the kind of mundane part of what we do. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, you know, I, I don't know what it was that we're, as you were just talking, but it made me think of maybe it was about the food and delivering food or something, but I go back to the first time that I met you, you were a waiter at the firehouse in Santa Monica. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you were 18. I, I was starting up at uh, SC, you were, you were gonna start in the spring or something at UCLA. And I've, I've actually never, I've had a lot of different jobs. I've never waited tables, but like, if you could think about, you know, from all the things that we're talking about right now, what did you learn from working at the firehouse in Santa Monica? Oh, so I have to say I was never more exhausted at the end of a day than working, you know, an eight hour shift at, at the firehouse. So I was, I believe I was 17 at the time. Oh, and by the way, for those of you who don't know, the firehouse, it's, it's not like a fireman work. It's the, it's a restaurant in Santa Monica on like Rose and Maine or something like that. Yep. Rosen, Maine, and was it an old converted firehouse? Correct, correct. It was an old converted converted firehouse. Yeah, and so, I, I'm sure Misha will tell, but like I just remember, I think Gold's Gym or some, there was some big bodybuilding gym across the street. So like all these guys would come in there 
and eat a lot. So maybe your exhaustion was from carrying all that heavy, just mass calorie food that they were eating <laughs> or, or connecting with them in some other way. But like, tell me about that exhaustion. Well, so uh, you're correct. So um, it was in between Gold's Gym and Power Gym and all the other major gyms that are down there in Venice Beach. So you'd get all these professional bodybuilders who, you know, they couldn't fit through the, the front door. They'd have to go in sideways because it was so bulging and they were fully bumped. So that that's the only way they can get in. And uh, so I think, you know, half of them are probably souped up on some kind of drug. So they're very, they're very aggressive. And they're like, you know, I need my bodybuilder breakfast right now. You know, I, I said, I said, I only wanted, uh, you know, uh, pasta on the side, you know, just kind of, just that kind of uh, environment, you know, it's, uh, so that, that in itself would, would tire you out. And plus just racing back and forth from, from table to table would, would, would uh, sap the strength. But I also, I was always on cappuccino and uh, coffee and latte duty. So I, I would be the one in between jumping back and forth. I would have to make these, uh, uh, these coffee drinks, which is ironic because I don't drink coffee. I'm just, I'm just naturally wired like this. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but they would say, let Misha make it. He makes a great cafe au lait. And to this day, I've never had a cafe au lait, but I evidently I make a decent one. And then as far as like creating memorable experiences or connecting or that sense of mindfulness or just attention when you're working at each table, like what were some of the things that you would do or where did you learn them from? So you have regulars who come in. So if you see them uh, and they're about to get seated, you already plug in their order. Uh, so by the time they get seated, the meal comes, you know, three minutes after they, they sit their rump down, which, you know, just little things like that. You just have to be aware. You have to be specific and mindful about individuals what that particular individual needs and um if and people pick up on that they they know go oh thank you you knew that i needed decaf today because it's a tuesday and you know i have that big i have that big workout session tomorrow or i you know <laughs> it's a leg so. day <laughs> <laughs> or is it a back day one of them this is one of those days <laughs> and then like many people they want to sit down and re regroup but like i i'd want to sit there and chill out and then order but people really like getting having their food waiting there right as they sit down yeah i mean uh, some of these people would come in every day for two meals or three meals a day wow. and and uh, because we had well because we had a specific menu uh typically for the bodybuilders um bodybuilder breakfast bodybuilder lunch bodybuilder dinner and all those uh those people would come in and it, it would you know it would just be automatic you know like oh flex is in town right now tuesday let's get flex, him wait flex wheeler yeah why do <laughs> i even know, know that how do you know that i have no idea uh so yeah <laughs> like his leg was his maybe i remember seeing him there once or his leg i think was like as big as my waist or something crazy like that yeah he was they were these were huge individuals you know and you know i weigh about well at the time when i was 17 or 18 years old i weighed about 155 pounds and six foot two so i was a rail and uh and these guys would come in and they're like six foot three and 290 pounds so um yeah so do you have any like super memorable like well like what was the most insane experience serving those guys uh, so am I allowed to call out like actors by name or um, I don't know famous actor comes in uh, he doesn't want to be recognized he rides a motorcycle he comes in with his helmet on <laughs> and sits down at the at the counter and orders a coca-cola or something like that and when the when I give him the coca-cola he lifts his visor up and drinks it through the helmet and then puts it down again and puts the visor down. Oh and God. he's doing this so he doesn't get recognized. 
but just that action right there is going to make everyone look at him. So like an astronaut. Yeah. Well, I, he he played an astronaut. I'm sure at one point. Oh, good. One point yeah. or another, but um, but yeah, different strokes for different folks. And then, did you have uh, like going back to some of the bodybuilder guys, or if if they got annoyed or kind of some roid rage or whatever? How would you diffuse a situation like? Or was there a specific instance where like you didn't bring egg whites and you brought them the whole egg and too many yeah. carbs and they lost I mean, their mind on you? And like, how do you how do you walk that out? And this this kind of coincides with what we're doing now, and I guess with with any any business is that if you if you did something wrong, it's so much easier to admit it, say you're sorry, and fix it than to say, oh, well, you said this. They don't care. Your customer doesn't care what they said. They care about you fixing the problem. And, you know, you and I, we always talk about, um, you know, it, it's shit's going to happen. It's all about how you fix it. And that's kind of the same situation that was at the firehouse with, with the bodybuilders. And it's the same situation with, you know, our customers and clients on the hotel side. And then, okay, so that's super funny. I totally forgot about all those bodybuilders. They were so- I'll tell you who that actor is after we click off. I, I okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, by name. I'll, I'll put it in the write-up. So, uh, and then working it there, like how did you, how did you learn to wait tables and, and deliver service that way? Was it just like, hey, here's a tray and a, and a pad, go? Or like, who were your kind of mentors and taught you what you did there? So you get thrown into the fire and you kind of just learn by watching the other waiters. So it was a, it's a, uh, I had my, my cousins work there prior to me working there. And that was Boopsy and Bing Bing and Chi Chi. And I don't make these names up. And uh, they all worked there. And I, I learned from watching them and, uh, you know, they were, uh, stuff happened and they, they had a smiling face and said, sorry about that. We'll fix it. And they fixed it. And, uh, that carried over to me and that that's. Yeah. And they're, the they're all much more beautiful. Now. They're all much more beautiful than you. So I'm sure they are. that would go a lot longer than yours. They are. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I miss all that. So, um, Okay, so it's kind of switching gears. So like that's your, you learn where we are now, like now looking kind of forward from here we are in June, coming out of this pandemic and kind of looking forward, like what's keeping you up at night right now? Uh, so what's great, what's happening now is that people want stuff. And that's, that's a dramatic change from just six months to a year ago. Um, and that makes me feel better. I think things are getting back on track quicker than I and expected. It, and why do they, why do people want stuff? Because other people. I think they're. I, I think they're ready. I think they're like. Less, like projects are happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's slowly trickling back, but people are like, let's get try to get back to normal and uh, or get back to some semblance of normal. And uh, but what's keeping me up at night is that, and this is across the board for you know most of our lines or, you know, at least my lines here on the, on the West coast is that we don't have the raw materials readily available to provide mm -hmm. them the product that they want. Yeah. Um, issue. so what used to be a six week lead time is now a 24 week lead time. And that's, as you can understand, would make various people, um, not so happy. So I, I, all I want to do is, is make our customers happy. And it's hard to do that when there's this bottleneck in the supply chain. Yeah, so as you're experiencing that and we're having these conversations every day, um, like what's some advice that you could offer to anyone who wants to learn from you? In the whole grand scheme of things, or just specific? yeah, just like in this in this thing that's keeping you up, like not being able to deliver. Like, mm -hmm. how do you handle that? How do you how do you act like Justin? Yeah, in those situations. 
and not like the lady at the blood-stained hotel room down in Oceanside. <laughs> um, where's I, where's Keisha in all that? Where are you yeah, on the spectrum? No, I. So I, all I could say is, you know, let's keep calm and persevere because. Uh, I, things right now are so much better than they, they were six months ago. And mm -hmm. things, six months, things six months ago were so much better than six months prior to that. So we're on this trajectory to go onward and upward. And I just, I just want, I, I want to implore people to be patient and it will all happen. Just not in the time frame in which we all want it to. Right. Yeah, another thing I wanted to bring up in that, um, you know, through the pandemic, we know so many people have lost their jobs and looking for new things. And as things are picking up, like, what are you seeing now? Because I'm, I'm seeing like people need to hire, people need to do this. So like, are, what are you seeing out there in California right now? Well, um, there's a lot of people jumping from one firm to the next. Mm -hmm. um, I think people are always looking for the next best thing or, you know, the grass is always greener, that kind of mm -hmm. uh, vibe. Uh, but yeah, I, which to be honest, I don't know if that's any different than uh, any other time in our industry, because I, I think just designers, they, they want to, they want to work on fantastic projects and they want to be, uh, they want to have the best product on their projects and they want to work with the best people. And sometimes, you know, uh, maybe it's no fault of their own or maybe it is their fault, but they're, they're stranded on working on projects where they're not getting the gratification that they need. So they think maybe going to another firm will fix that. And that's not always the case. So I think any, the advice that I would give uh, would be, you know, stick through with whom you, uh, with the company in which you're with, learn as much as you can, and then move on. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then like, as you're seeing it out there, as things are kind of coming back to like, what's your biggest challenge or need right now? Uh, I, I want to duplicate uh, myself and our staff and just have our tendrils out in more spots than than we do right now mm -hmm. uh, you know we can only be in so many spots at one time so i i just want to have everyone uh be serviced to the degree in which they need to be yeah it's hard to do that it's hard to do that now because still even like like i wouldn't want me in there in your office right now until we know <laughs> what's going on because sure. everyone is like you know, still shell shocked from at least in California and the New York area. Uh, you know, other places it doesn't matter. Um, it's just like, yeah, come on in. It's fine. Let's party, um, <laughs> which is fine. Every, we, I, I just want to make sure everyone feels comfortable. Um, so then, you know, thinking about okay, so that's like where we are now. Looking into the future, like what's exciting you most about the future? Uh, I think that uh, we're gonna have a raucous next year, in a good way, next year and the following year. I think there's gonna be so much pent up uh, desire and demand for uh, getting everything back to normal that uh, this cold spell that we've had is gonna break and it's gonna be a great roller coaster ride. And I think that's just gonna be good for everyone. That's gonna be good for people who do what you and I do for designers, purchasing agents, owners, operators, and everyone in between. Mm -hmm. So I'm, oh, I'm very optimistic about the future for our industry. Okay. So, uh, you know, thinking about, I, I always say like, what I do is inconsequential, but why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys. Sure. So you as a, 46 year old Misha. Yeah. That sounds so weird. Oof. If you could teleport yourself back into that, um, into the firehouse and as your 46 year old self and you see your 19 or 18 or 17 year old self, like what, what do you tell yourself back then? What piece of advice could you give yourself? Uh, 
I would say, and this is, I, I'm sure this is a common thing that, that people say is, uh, I would say, take more risks. Take more risks. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, say it doesn't come to fruition. Who cares? Move on to the next thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've, I've traditionally been very risk adverse and I let people, you know, guide me and direct me to what I need to do and where I need to be, you know, specifically my wife. But, you know, uh, I, I, I wish that I, um, and it, I, I mean, I've done some great things and I have the best friends and I have the greatest family and I've traveled all over the world. I, I, I you know, I can't say that uh, I've had any uh, horrific snafus in my life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, adding that element or that ingredient of more risk and getting out of my comfort zone, I, I, I wish I did that more often and, uh, and yes, more often. Cool. Yeah. Risk is always, it's a tough thing, right? Growth happens when we're all uncomfortable. And uh, exactly. Yeah, I feel like I've had a hand in elbowing you out of a out of a comfort zone a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, agreed. Uh, uh, oh, that's fun. We should do a whole show on that. Nope. Um, so you know, I, we're kind of wrapping up here now. Um, I guess one last question: when you're when you're away and you're do and and you're you're away from home and you're all these other places, like what kind of food do you crave the most? So. If I could have uh, three meals a day, it would be Mexican, and which is crazy because, as we all know, the the bulk of Mexican food, uh, each dish has the same exact ingredients, just in different uh, amounts for for each dish. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I I do love if I was stranded on an island and I had one uh, thing to eat, it would be uh, it would be a burrito. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you do a breakfast burrito, a lunch burrito, and a, and a dinner burrito. Yeah. Well, I'd probably do breakfast burrito, bodybuilder lunch, and then. Oh, you gotta get, gotta <laughs> bring the bodybuilder lunch back into that, right? <laughs> I love that. Oh, okay. So, uh, where can people find you? Uh, so they can find us at uh, we're agency nine six seven. So they can go to nine six seven dot com. And that's spelled out n i n s i x s e v e n dot com. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you want to get me specifically, it's Misha at nine six seven dot com spelled out. Uh, so hey, thank you very much. Um, you said where people can reach you to learn more. That's pretty much it, everyone. Uh, if you learned something today or just laugh, tell someone about the podcast. Thank you, everyone, and we will see you next time. Thank you.